My next guest, his name is Kuda Mike. He's actually an up-and-coming young R&B, hip-hop, Afrobeats artist. You're in the studio at the moment recording uh, your new single. You have a new label. Uh, Kuda Mike, how you doing? Pretty good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you for that intro. That, that's, that covers it all. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, new label, uh, really exciting times, working with a great team. Um, the singles, I, I'm excited for that because... Everything we're going to talk about today is the, the journey, and we're here now, and um, it's about to it's about to go next level. It's, well, it's that's amazing. that's always what I'm interested in. Uh, no matter who I get on, it's always about why they do the things they do. Like what inspired them to do the things they do. Right. So for me, uh, for those who don't know, I actually met you. Would you believe two years ago? Right. Yeah. Um, right. Kuda's uh, girlfriend was directing a commercial, a headphone commercial. And I came on and uh, I listened to the song on the headphones and I didn't realise it was you. Right. And uh, I I was pretty impressed, I thought. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was. I was, And I've spoken to you about remembering that song. Very true. So I'm not just saying it because of the podcast, but uh, I thought I was really impressed with the song. I'm an old school cat. Like I listened, I grew up in some say the golden years of hip hop. Not many people know. I'm, I'm actually Tupac's age. Right. So when he was uh, clubbing, listening to the guys before him, right. that was me. But I know absolutely nothing about the hip hop culture today. And I thought I'm going to get a, f- a few guys on. I mean, you were first on the list. I appreciate that. And I thought I'm going to get you on, educate, school me and some it's of the other more guys. More likely out there. the other way around, to be honest. <laughs> I, there's loads to learn for me, man. Um, I, I honestly sort of live in a bubble where I'm constantly listening to instrumentals. I, you know, when people come up with new, new music that they're listening to, I genuinely just o- welcome it with open arms because I get stuck in that routine of, hey, what are we working on next? What are we creating? Obviously, they're people I seek out, um, you know, that I listen to, and we'll get into all that. But I'm hoping you can educate me on when it, where it all started. Uh, where, For sure. Where, where, where you feel the golden era began. I'll do my best to, to catch you up to speed to what's hot right now, uh, whether or not I disagree with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the worst thing about me uh, telling you how it all began or, or to my best knowledge. Right, yeah. That's like true. I know there's going to be dudes out there looking on Wikipedia and stuff, but um, I can only speak from my experience, you right. know. Um, but it's also going to show my age. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, you've got loads to teach us. If anyone has uh, any questions, hopefully you can answer them today. Like I've, I've got some um, that I will definitely be picking your brain about, but... Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, and if I don't know, I can always just look it up and we can we can have a look on the monitor True. and stuff like that. So my first question for you, your first introduction to music that you can remember and do you remember what that was? Yes, actually, and uh, it's, it's, it's funny because my little brother did the same thing with me. So my older brother comes home from boarding school. Um, we had just moved countries. We had left him behind because he was in the board. Um, year 12, 13, we're like, look, might as well finish. You know what I mean? So that was a couple of years that I didn't get to spend time with my brother um, all the time. And then he'd come home for holidays, fly into Uganda from Kenya, and he'd have this rhyme book. And it was full of rhymes. And, you know, I didn't understand what it was. I just kind of looked at it. 
kind of tried to reverse engineer it. And then I was like, ah, oh, I see what he's done there. He's, you know, a lot of wordplay, he's rhyming things. And I'm like, oh, that's a different way of saying that, you know? So um, he did that. And then I was tasked with a music project in year eight or nine. I think I was uh, 15 at the time. I did an original piece because the option was to just perform a cover or an original piece. And um, a friend and I, he's passed away now, but... Um, he was influential in that sense. He was like, look, man, there's this song. Let's take the the beat and let's do our own verses and let's, let's perform the hook, catchy hook at the time. And we did that. And that was the first taste I got of live performance in music. I used to do drama and all that stuff. I'm, I'm a bit of a mixed bag in terms of I did all the stuff that would typically be considered uh, – uh, you know, creative and kind of different. And then I did all the sporting stuff as well. So I was yeah. like, a little bit of everything. So that was probably the first taste I got. So I re- used my brother's sort of formula on that song. And then I, you know, reverse engineered it, used different like words, rewrote everything. And it was funny to see it years later that my little brother did one of his first songs where I was like, I recognize that flow. I recognize that, every, you know, like everything about it. And I'm like, he did the same thing I did to my older brother. He just took, took, broke down my song and then kind of like rewrote it. And shout out to big brothers, first of all. Shout out to big brothers everywhere. They, um, they don't know how much of an influence they have on the young siblings. But yeah, I literally, dare I say, wanted to be my big brother. And here I am now. I, I feel like I've embodied all all the, all, the, all the best bits. Was your parents musically inclined? Did they? What sort of music did they listen to? <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad you asked. Yep. I'm so glad you asked because this is something that I enjoy telling people about because it's so so random. Like uh, my parents used to listen to a lot of, um, there's a lot of African gospel. There's a lot of, um, like, what, what it's called Afro jazz, I think, with people like Oliver Mtukudzi who are legends in, in, in the Southern African region, I think even across the continent. Um, recently a friend of mine's introduced me to Fela Kuti, who is honestly, if you get the chance to look him up, he's, he's something special. He plays every single instrument that was on the song. He literally gives you a song before he starts singing. It's like four minutes of just great instrumental buildup. And then he gets into like the, the, you know, the vocals, but there was all of that. And then there was just Phil Collins right in there somewhere. (laughs) Phil Collins right in there. And so Phil Collins. Yeah. And I honestly, um, I joke about this with people at work all the time, but when they put on a playlist and Phil Collins comes up, I can almost sing along to every single song. He was he's he was that he was that good. So uh I'm sure this works out in most households, but uh dad picks the music. Dad picks what's uh what's on TV. So it's not like I had a choice. And um, as much as we complained about not having all of this, um, you know, I mean, I got hip hop when I started to have MP3 players and all of that stuff in my teens. But it was um, it was Phil Collins and a whole bunch of African artists. And that's where my influence comes from, because I love hip hop. I can write hip hop music. That's that's what I do. I rap. But I like to to move to music. I like to I like music that touches you. I like music that um, that that gets you. You know, it changes your mood because that's what music does. So you're going to get a bit of everything from me. I rap on every song, but I will always allow for the the music to, to speak for itself in one way, shape or form. So that's probably where we're going to talk about the change between old school and new school at this point, because I feel like there's a lot more, I, I want to say diversity uh, in, in, in what is considered hip hop now. And I, I don't mind if you want to label it something else or whatever, new school, old school, uh, hip hop, trap, whatever. But 
as long as we like appreciate music for what it is, because it's, it's, it's strange. People seem to want to only like the thing that they label something. But, yeah, true. but the fact of the matter is, did you like the song? Yeah, cool. Does it matter what genre it was? No. You know what I mean? So I always try and keep people's minds open about where, um, where I come from my music and hopefully they can enjoy it how they, uh, they prefer to enjoy it. Yeah, because I think with music, it's always whatever genre, it's influenced by another genre. That's true. You know, so you, punk is like the rebellious rock and roll. Exactly. Well, yeah. hip hop and uh, came from old funk. So the old funk albums, like I don't know if you've heard of Parliament and George Clinton and these these cats were, were, were jiving back in the day and hip-hop derived from that. All right. So we can go a bit more into that, but I think it's important to know like the blues, you know, it's important to know where these songs came from, where, where these beats came from. It's like the... In, in Africa, they I remember hearing somewhere that uh, the beats represented the heartbeat, the drums. Yeah, and, sounds like and, something Africans would say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like the soul came from the instruments and yeah, things like that, you know, yeah. which was really cool to hear. Yeah. But music, I think, is the universal language. Very true. Uh, Very and true. and I, I also, what you were saying just then, I think it's important that you grow up with many genres, mm. of appreciating many genres of True. music. So I, I, I used to do music videos for some of the heavy metal guys, realising that most of those guys were classically trained. Oh, yes. So Heard about that. most of the guitarists, they all came from classical music mm. and they have still have that love and appreciation for classical. That's you deep. know, some of the best guitarists in the world. Yeah. And you just, I like to hear about where the influences came from. Like you said, uh, Phil Collins was right. mixed in there amongst sure. all this sort of African jazz music. And that's really cool to hear. Right. That's I'm, really cool. I'm glad you bring that up because um, with, 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 with something that my brother exposed me to re recently, it's like Bill Withers um, had a massive like catalog of hits that we all know but we probably wouldn't know it was Bill Withers. Like, uh, I think Lean On Me was one that I heard. Yeah. Um, and with with your, um, I guess, you, you experienced the original uh, kind of, I guess, like the golden era, like we said. There's so many songs I listen to now that even I go, wait a minute, isn't that like the the hook or the, or the, or the you know, the, the melody from that other song? Yeah. And I only know so much. So when I'm with people, I, I hang out with people who are, typically five years older than I am. Um, I don't know. It's just the age range that I prefer to, 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 to deal with, I suppose. But uh, tired of answering questions about marriage and uh, <laughs> and then babies. But yeah. um, that's what they're dealing with, and that's cool. I love them to bits. But they would be able to identify other songs where they're like, wait a minute, isn't that that song? But I'm like, oh, no, it's just that new Chris Brown song. They'd be like, no, dude, like there's there's elements of that that are in this thing. And, and I think... I've heard of that discussion in a negative sort of connotation, but I've also learned to appreciate the creative aspect of loving something or maybe they didn't love it, who knows, but trying to give your take of it. And that kind of ties into, I'm not a big like comic book fan, but I've got friends who, who sort of were and they exposed me to it. And then of course we've all been uh, railroaded by the Marvel Cinematic Universe and therefore yeah. I feel like I'm a guru now because they broke it down so well. But there's so much that I've learned about comics, which is there's more than one uh, storyline. There's more than one writer for certain characters. There's a, a you know one who maybe had the most impact and stuff like that. But sometimes you just 
someone comes along and has their own little spin on it, you know, and, and, and I appreciate that aspect of it as much as I appreciate the original, um, as long as we give credit where credit is due and mm. uh, all of that aspect is um, taken care of. But like, it's just let people be creative. And I know that's something I'm going to have to deal with in my career where people are going to have their opinions and hey, to each their own. I make music for the love of it. I make music hopefully to to brighten someone's day here and there or to, to open up a discussion or expose people to a way of thinking that they haven't been exposed to. And look, if you don't like it, hey, that's okay. There's millions of other songs you can listen to. Like you don't have to, uh, to, to feel forced to listen to the music. I just hope you take something out of it when you do, which is either an understanding of how other people think, feel, um, relate with others. And yeah, I mean... That's that's the the key part of it. Open up those those channels. Like anything, I think it's it's an art form. Every art form is a form of self expression. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I like that. And I think I th- uh, especially with the younger crowd today, I think you've just got to stop caring about what people think. I think at the end of the day, if they enjoy it, they enjoy it. But I think it's got to give you something. True. You know, like as creatives, we we survive by being creative. It's True. it's a food. For the soul. Uh, I know it sounds cheesy, but um, but at, if we don't do creative things, if we don't tell stories or, or do anything creative, you know, a lot of people will start to go into, you know, they'll start getting depressed and they'll have, uh, they'll get into bad moods. It's not about the day. It's just because you haven't done anything creative. That's a good point. So at the end of the day, I think the philosophy for me was always something simple, like do what makes you smile. I like that. I needed something simple. Like I've read, uh, you know, I've read all the, I've read a lot about the philosophers and they've all got something to say, but I just need simplicity. Mm. I need my life to be simple in today's digital world. And at the end of the day, I do what makes me smile and I've just kept it simple and in that way. But I was going to ask you, what was your big influence as an artist when you were young that you can relate to now and go, you know, I'm, I'm probably here because of listening to that. Um, do you know what? I think one that's kind of reared its head again recently is Akon. Yep. Um, one of the first albums that my brother brought back with him was, I think he had a Lil Wayne mixtape and then he had an Akon um, album. I think it was the, the Convict one, um, the first one. But um, that really hit home because he did not shy away from his his roots. Um, he, yes, he was based in America. He'd grown up there, as far as I remember. And um, it just made me think, look, the world is a lot bigger than than I, I feel or I've been exposed to. And I was lucky enough at that point. I was already in Uganda. I'd read, left Zimbabwe, went to Kenya, moved to Uganda. I already knew the world was more than the, you know, the, the four walls around your house uh, or your you know, your borders or whatever. The world is a big place. Mm. Um, and as technology has changed, it's just made it so much easier to go, it's possible. It's possible to do something. So I think Acom was the first person who made me realize, one, you never know where, you know, passion and talent could take you. Give it a shot. And um, loved his music. Um, we, we heard it all the time. It was, it, was, it was hot in Uganda, which made me think, hold on, it came from the States, so it's probably hot there as well. So... He'd clearly just become a, I want to say, 
global success story at that point. And then to see what he's done recently, it's, it's, it's incredible. He's out there. He had a unique tone to his voice too. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. And it's just nice to see representation. Um, from an early stage, you don't recognize it. I only realize that now when I think about it, but the same way that you've seen, um, going back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's representation in diversity. Um, and that's important because I never realized I appreciated Akon for him being the African guy who's a success story over in the States. But I appreciate it much more now realizing that I listened to that guy and I was so proud of the fact that he was um, unapologetically uh, African while still being a person who had grown up in the States and loved the States. And that, that goes into a whole nother thing about like, you know, me having moved from such a young age, you feel sort of like the outsider. I get along with everyone. I have no problem with people, but you never quite feel, um, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, included as, as much as, as, as you'd like. So just being always on the outskirts, being the person who's, who's come in and made a success of yourself. Um, that was, that was inspiring to me. When you say you, you, you feel like you've never been included. Right. How, how do you mean by that? Is it within or, or you've never felt, it's not so much included, but never felt part of? Yeah. Or right at home. Um, and the thing is, I always try and look at things from both perspectives. Um, if you're a person who's grown up in, uh, town, city, or area, and you've gone through high school, for example, and then you go to uni, um, you're likely to go to a uni where five to 10 of your friends also attend. And then you're likely to have okay. one or two people who are in the same course as you, and you're just likely to have classes together. So honestly, it's um, it's not even, it, I guess uh, included was probably just a bit, off, but it's more so just feeling right at home. And I know I was lucky enough to have my brother here when I moved, uh, moved to Perth. Um, it made it so much easier because I knew there were other international students who didn't have that. Yeah. After a class of, you know, yes, we've, we've become the, the outsiders, uh, or dare I say the in-betweeners, uh, <laughs> we fall into the, um, Hey, look, yeah, we, let's, let's form a group and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll do our group assignments as a group of kind of misfits, just rattling off shows now. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I get to go home after a day where I felt like, ah, oh, yeah, that person was a little bit kind of like standoffish with me and then go back to my, my brother's house where there's all his housemates and it's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Let's have fun. So man, it's been a weird journey and I don't think I would have had it any other way. Obviously it wasn't my choice, but, uh. It's made me who I am. It's uh, my first guest. Uh, he came from Bosnia. Oh, nice. And uh, he's never really felt at home because he had always moved. Uh, they were moving houses, moving schools. So he never was able to generate a close group of friends that would right. stay with him. And I remember him talking about the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's important to... Be somewhere where you feel you belong. Right. Where you can call home. Exactly. But as an artist, you use that. You use those stories. You use the the, the not belonging, the not being included yeah. as part of an expression. And I sure. that's where I think uh, as an artist you use those things that make you who you are today. Yeah. The hard times. True becomes part of who you are in, especially for you, in your music, yeah. you know. So 
when you have you noticed in your music the themes have changed from when you first started? Yeah, I've definitely become more mature. Um, if you speak to to people in, in in my circle, they'll tell you I've typically seemed more mature than my age, and that's just how I try to carry myself. I try to carry myself with a load of respect for everyone. You, I, I offer up respect regardless, and it's up to you to lose it or retain it, sort of thing. So, um, it's 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 just how I've carried myself, and then I've just started to understand the world more as I've grown older. So as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mature in my understanding of how things work, um, how people relate and, and things like that, and my place in, in, in society. So in the beginning, I would have made songs that have always had meaning, but um, I was probably telling a story that not many people would understand, which is okay, because I'm giving the maybe the migrants uh, a voice. Uh, but on top of that, I think I've learned to educate more through my music. Uh, and make sure it comes through in a clear manner. Um, so yeah, I mean, maturity is a, is a hell of a thing. I'm, I'm starting to grasp this whole adulting thing. <laughs> How old are you now? 26. Oh, yeah, you're an 26. old man. Oh man, my bones hurt. <laughs> Everything hurts. I, I can't deal with it. I can't do it. Twenty is t- is 26. I don't know, but is 26 pretty old in the hip hop game? You know what? I thought I was going to make it at 16, so I'm 10 years late, to be honest. Uh, I grew up with like a little Romeo and a little Bow so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can only be a success if you started like 16. I think that's a misconception for a lot, a lot of, of careers, guys. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I started in the film industry, and you know, you always want to be the young gun, you know, that gets out there first. Yeah. But you soon realize it's not about like getting there first True. and winning the awards. It's a part of being an artist is uh, reflecting your life through your art form. True that. You know? So the older you get, the better the stories you have, even in music, that you can reflect on. Uh, You noticed the themes back in the day uh, in hip-hop. You know, in the 80s, it was uh, about rebelling against the system. Yeah, true. You know, this oppressive which they thought system. Mm. And it was. I mean, if you look at uh, places like the Bronx and it was just, it looked like a war zone True. compared to Manhattan. True. And uh, they just thought, you know, we've, we're being forgotten about. Yeah. They had material to sing about. Yeah, and and their voices could only be heard through music. True. So th- their, their soul of the hip hop culture came from being oppressed as a culture in that area. Right. And now they had a form of expression to yell because they couldn't get on a soapbox and yell directly at the president. Yeah. But yet they could get their voice heard. Yeah. Then in the late 90s it became about bitches and money. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Do you notice? Clubs, bitches, money, because hip-hop now was mainstream. I know, right. And so, you know, guys can make a lot of money doing their music. So they can't really talk about being oppressed anymore True. because they'd made it. Yeah. And, and a lot of, the, a lot of the guys were, and girls were making it in the music industry in different careers. Mm. So then it became about the wealth and exploiting that money. Like yeah. now I've got the money bitches. I know, right? <laughs> I can do whatever the fuck I want, you know? Yeah. And, and like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think culture's changing again now. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see, that's what I wanted to find out as well mm. is 
where do you think that is now? And what do you think the music's going to be like in the next 10 years within the hip hop culture? What do you think they'll have to talk about and they will be singing about in the next couple of years? Do you know what? I think there's a big social um, awareness that, you know, the world is going towards. Um, might just be me because of who I actually, you know, spend my time listening to, but not quite, you know, fully just, you know, what we used to call con- conscious rap. Yeah. Um, I think, for example, I might just name drop him anyway. J. Cole is the person I, you know, admire most in the music industry. Um, there's such a mastery of craft there with someone like J. Cole. And he's not the only one doing it, but uh, to me, he... I, you know, I could resonate quite well with with his lifestyle. He went to uni, he did all that, and he tries to approach, you know, the music in a certain way. Now, with that, um, I think we're all starting to be a bit more socially aware. There's so many movements going right now that we try and, um, you know, we're trying to move society in the right direction. So I think hip-hop, as you said, we, we have been mainstream. You know, we are mainstream. Um we're the best way to get messages out there, I feel. Not, you know, don't get me wrong, there's, you know, I, I think we just saw a bunch of movies that came out for, for really talented musicians and they were able to move crowds. But I think the one thing that you find in hip hop is when a message is said in hip hop, it typically hits home because it's for the voiceless. We have to be socially aware when we're making our music, we're, we're saying, not, not, there's not the right thing per se, but it's, a matter of making sure that we we can inspire in in a variety of ways could be bringing up the mood bringing up the uh the energy or it could be putting out a message but i think the theme going forward will be social justice social awareness i'll try and squeeze unity in there because honestly the diversity that uh we've seen in 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 in, 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 in industries like hollywood recently uh, you know, have been present in, in, in hip-hop. We've had uh, a wide array of uh, artists from different backgrounds. And I'm glad you said before that it's a universal language because I've listened to Latin American music and I've listened to French music and absolutely loved the song and understood 0% of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if we're socially aware, we're, we're probably doing the right thing in, in, in music and hopefully that lasts about a decade or two, then we'll... We'll revisit this topic. <laughs> we'll see how we go. And what are tell me, what are some of the artists out now right. that are making waves that I probably haven't heard of? Ooh. Um, all right, look, the, the people you definitely have heard of, and for good reason, the upper echelons of the hip-hop game right now, the, uh, look, I'm probably going to forget someone, someone's going to hear this and go, how dare you? No, no, it's but, what uh, you listen to. I know, right, so... Um, I'd put J. Cole, Drake, Kendrick, Big Sean, um, in, in, in people I always can come back to. Um, and then there's some some new sounds that I've just received recently that like look, I'm I'm all for you know, artists like um well grime. Uh, grime is different to hip hop in, in a sense, but I'm loving the grime scene right now. Grime, explain explain oh, it to me. Grime. Look, it's loosely um, dare I say loosely translated? No. Um, in the simplest form, it's like the British version of hip hop. Uh, the, the the beat is different. The tempo is different. They they skip on the beat a little bit more. So I appreciate the flow there because you know I factor all that into when I'm writing. Um, they they have it a little bit different, but they are the 
hip hop culture in the UK. They're the mainstream thing right now. They are the cool kids on the block and they are incredibly talented. Um, so you got people like uh, Stormzy, Skepta, um, and some some OGs, you know, the Wileys and the Lethal Bizzle. And you got a lot of guys coming out of the UK who did something very similar to how hip hop um, kind of emerged. And they've grown, uh, dare I say, faster because they emerged maybe 90s, 2000s. Right. Um, and funny enough, I, I once again related quite well to this, you know, the 16, 17 year old at the time uh, who... You know, you, you look at him and you go, he's doing it. And I'm in school right now. And you're like, why, why can he do it? And I can't. And I guess opportunities, you know, moving out of um, or leaving Kenya and Uganda in those teen years. You, you Who else would you not know? I, I don't even know where to no, go. It just, you know? I mean, I just want to know who's, who's popping at the moment in the clubs. Oh, how dare I forget? You know what? Shout out. There's people like Travis Scott doing their thing out there. Um, there's some people I don't listen to as much, but I know they're popping off. There's uh, like 21 Savage, Post Malone deserves a shout out. I'm a big fan of g Easy. Um, I think I've, oh, Joyner Lucas. He hit home with two really powerful songs. Um, oh man, there was one that really challenged us on how we, we see race. And I think he did so well because he wrote the verse, or at least the first verse from the perspective of um, a, a, a white man speaking to a black man and oh. i always love things like that because in the video he puts a white man there and he gets your boy blood boiling because you're like how could you then you're like ah it's joy to lucas he wrote that yeah. um and i absolutely love things like that because it opens up that discussion um so we're gonna forget people but that's okay yeah yeah say okay <clears throat> yeah what what i want you to there's one date in history that I think everybody in the hip hop culture should know if they don't know it. Yep. It's weird the things I remember. Like I don't remember things that happened last week, but <laughs> things like uh, August the 11th, okay. 1973. What happened then? The first ever hip hop party huh. was staged. Okay. And it was, uh, if I remember, it was in the Bronx. Right. It's when all the clubs in Manhattan were quite heavily into disco oh, at the time. gotta love disco. Right. Oh, dear? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> gotta love disco. Like a good disco party, I do. That's uh, weird for a 26-year-old to say. i got to say, like, you know, <laughs> I know I know, 45, 55-year-olds are like, if only we could have forgotten that era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, hey, man. Uh, oh, I, I see a, a photo <clears throat> of my dad in platforms and an afro and I look exactly like him. Like, I could pass. I could pass for the disco. <laughs> I think I could. I but, um... What happened was when disco were, was uh, was popular right. in all the, the big clubs, that's where the, the most expensive champagne, people rocking up in limos, fur coats, you know, exactly. all of that sort of stuff. The guys in the Bronx uh, were not in the disco scene because they, they had different – they weren't in that celebratory sort of – there was a different culture, right? Right. So what happened, there was a DJ at the time, if I remember – his name was Cool Herc. Right, yeah, yeah. And Cool Herc uh, was the first ever guy to buy two records of the same song. And what he did is he had all these old funk 
the funk albums that you really couldn't get in a lot of places. Right. And, you know, the, the mainstream radio stations weren't playing them. It was all about disco. Mm. And what he would do is people started to understand and he became quite popular. Right. So people started to be more aware that, hey, Cool Herc is playing here. Cool Herc is playing there. And he set up this first ever massive house party. Nice. And everyone, a lot of people went. And what he used to do is in between the funk songs, there were these things called breaks. Right. And it was uh, it, leading up to it, it's where the beats were. Mm. And it used to be called, um, from what I remember, the, the, the breakdown, the right. beatdown. Right. And um, what he used to do is extend the breaks. Right. So he would play the break on one record, play the break on the other and extend the breaks, uh-huh. right, where the beats were. Yeah, yeah. But the guys would dance to the breaks nice. and to those beats. Right. And did you know the guys who came on the dance floor to dance within those breaks were suddenly labelled break dancers? Oh, damn. So oh, that's, that's, how, that's how break dancing started because okay. they were dancing during the breaks of those songs to the beats of those songs. Right. And there's one guy, his name was... Um, uh, Coke LaRock. <laughs> right. And uh, he was on the mic with uh, Cool Herc. Okay. But he wasn't rapping. But what he'd do is he'd give shout outs to people he knew in the crowd and he'd put a little rhyme to it. And Cool Herc and Coke LaRock became like uh, famous around nice. that time. So a lot of people put Cool Herc as the guy who started that culture. Right. Who started that dance, hip hop old funk beats mm. and just imagine, you know, being around at that time. True. Meanwhile, there was a guy on the other side of town that was experimenting about doing records, using the record player as an instrument. Right. And he was the first guy that understood if you put a hand on the record, the music would stop. Line up the next record with that in that same area mm. and you could mix the songs. Yeah. So the one way how he could do it, and his name was Grandmaster Flash. Right. And yeah. what he did is he'd put a crayon where the break was. Right. So he'd put a crayon on and the line would, he'd make a crayon line. So he knew exactly where the breaks were. And then he could mix from one to the other, one to the other. And that changed everything. So a lot of the DJs today that have, you know, pushing all the tricks. Yeah all came from Grandmaster Flash. Mash so so Grandmaster Flash says, like, I'm not responsible for all the stuff that's happening now. Yeah. But what I can say is that none of that would be possible if it wasn't for me learning the fact that I could crayon the brakes, I could stop the record, I could then scratch the record and then move it through. Right. That is cool, hey? Dude, that takes a lot of skill, man. That is... Well, especially when it's when it hasn't been invented. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. You, you, you're not meant to touch vinyl uh, so and, and play with the needle. Mm. So it was a big thing. Um, but for, for that time, did they ever realise that suddenly what they were doing was going to become mainstream and a billion dollar right? business? It's nuts. And, and you know what? I love people who think outside the box. Like yeah. any, 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 anything you can contribute to society – Hats off to you. Like, um, don't be don't be afraid to uh-huh, push the needle. Don't be afraid to actually get out there and try something different because you never know what you can do for society. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's where I uh, 
I tell people all the time, the norm, like the, the standards or how things have been done typically, that's one thing. That's a guideline. Use that and then use yeah. and, and, you know, impose yourself in that situation and see what else you can do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bring something different to the party. I know. Just think about that time mm. when it wasn't an industry. You got guys coming out that was singing. For instance, you know, we, we've all seen Strat Outta Compton. I'm hoping you've seen it. <coughs> oh, seriously? Let's just say yes for the podcast. Let's just say yes. I Cooter, really? You haven't seen Strat Outta Compton? I haven't yet, no. I haven't. Get out of this studio. I know, right? (laughs) That's the first thing I'm going to do when I get out. I'm bringing a hip-hop artist on who hasn't seen Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, that's the kind of person you're dealing with. The audience, please don't switch off now. (laughs) Take take this guy seriously, please. Yes, yes. um, I know your finger is on that that stop (laughs) um, button on the Spotify and iTunes app. But, um, But... a lot of people recognise NWA, you know, when they they went up against uh, the politicians because yep. the politicians wanted to bring their record, um, wanted to cancel their record. Yeah, yeah. But there was another guy that belonged to the group, uh, Two Live Crew. Right. Uh, they had a song. It was a sex song right. and it became an anthem right. to everybody. Everybody loved it, right? Okay. I think it was like um, We Want Some Pussy. Oh, right. Um, and they mixed in the voice of, I think it was Full Metal Jacket. Right. Of this, uh, I think this Vietnamese lady saying, um, oh, me so horny, right? Right. And yeah. this was before NWA. Okay. They wanted to pull this record. And this guy who belonged to, I think it was Skywalker Records at the time. I'll have to look up his name. I, I knew I knew of his name, but I just can't remember it right now. Right. But um, he took it all the way through to the courts, all the way through to the courts, and he won. Nice. He was the singer. Okay. And uh, they say that if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't have any explicit lyrics on any records now. Like NWA wouldn't have gotten that far. Yeah, of course. If it wasn't for the guy from Two Live Crew. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I was trying to to think of the name, but I just can't think of the name. But, you know, for me, the guy that got me into hip-hop, was a guy called Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Right. It yeah. was the first tape that I had worn down, cassette tape, okay. because I'd just be pushing uh, play, stop, rewind, play, stop, rewind, play, <laughs> stop, rewind, <laughs> yes. so I could write down the lyrics oh, to this song. Oh, right, right, And some right. people say it was Melly Mel that, uh, that was the rapper on this song. Grandmaster Flash was the, the, the guy behind the turntables. Right. And there was the Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. It was, they wrote this song called The Message. And The Message was the first ever recorded hip-hop song that was this is how it is on the streets today. Right. It's not about the music. It's not about the glamour. It's about, man, this is what kids are going through and what they're looking at. Right. But when I heard it, it was the last verse of the message is one of, to me, the greatest verses of any hip-hop song. They say that the verse would be equivalent to anything Bob Dylan had written right? and uh, Lennon-McCartney. It was that poignant because in one verse it describes a young kid on who he chooses to look up to as an influence 
and it goes through the life of this kid until he hangs himself in a jail cell. And then it's about him saying it was plain to see that your life was lost and now your eyes are singing a sad, sad song. And it goes through this life of this young kid in one verse. And I think uh, the end of it was, but now your eyes sing a sad, sad song of how you lived so fast and died so young. And it was all because this young kid looked up to the wrong people. You know, the guys with the flash cars, driving big cars, spending 20s and 10s, and you wanted to grow up to be just like them. Exactly. And it was the first song that came out. For me, I was 11 years old. Right. And I'm... Writing this song down, and it was the first song I ever learned. And, you know, as a kid, you get attracted to the beat first. Yes. And it was just this thumping beat. But when I was writing, it was the first time that I realized words, I'd heard the words of a song. You know, as a young kid, you always dance and stuff to the to the tune yeah. and the, the the rhythm and stuff. Exactly. This was the first time that I'd listened, that, like there's a, a story yeah. behind this song. Yeah. And it was the first song that I had ever written down, ever played on tape that I memorized. Right. And, you know, I'm in my late 40s now. Right. And I remember that verse. I remember it to today. Um, and I think I think it's really important because they, it really does depend on who you surround yourself with and who you look up to it's for your life. Spot on. You know? And I feel like that's something we were talking about um, recently when we, when, we, uh, <clears throat> when we met up. It's... Uh, I mean, I had my older brother, um, and I was able to, to 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 kind of watch him move and see how he does, and um, that meant I didn't have to go through maybe some of the, the you know the the downs um, if if there were any. So I got kind of like all the ups. I mean, I played sport with him, and he's five years older than me, so I I was challenged to play with them. Um, but that meant when I went back to my age group. I, I stood out. I was like, "Yeah, nothing. It's just young people." But um, you're right about that because I I I have had cousins look up to me a certain way, and I was like, "You know what? I've got to be very careful." Um, what not only message I'm I'm putting out there, but as much as I like to say, "Do as I say, not as I do," I do have to try and live as um aware of certain influences as possible. Now, look, we get to adulthood, and you know, to each their own. Live your live your best life, as they say. You know what I mean? But um it's it's really important to have the right people around you. Mm-hmm. So everyone in the label I learn from. They're not only like partners in, in business, but they're people who impart wisdom on me. And that's why I hang out with people who tend to be five years older than me. Yeah. Um the relationships we have a lot of fun. Um we we, we love to hang out, but I, I I enjoy these sorts of discussions where I can learn from people. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it's 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 absolutely paramount that you you expose yourself to as much as possible. So, um, I, oh man, that sounds like I gotta I gotta get a listen to that. That that sounds amazing. Yeah, well, I, I'll play a bit of it la- later on, maybe for the promo. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But you know, you associate my best times in my life right. was associated to one club, okay, in Perth, and it was called Jules. Oh right, yep. And yep. it was the one club that just played R and B. Hip hop, right? Old school funk. Uh, whenever this, uh, the the United States, the fleet would yeah. would dock in Perth, they would pack out this tiny club, and it used to spill onto the streets because there's so many people, and the right. club was small. Right. So it used to be downstairs in this basement. So when it got really packed, what happened is it would spill. The crowd would spill out onto the streets, 
and then people will get their cars, open all their doors, put on their system. <laughs> and, um, and because there was no residential area in that area, there was yeah. no cops or anything and right. it was just fantastic. But I did my growing up with my best friends at that time. Right. We learned about music, about, about women, about yeah. sex, you know. Oh, I worked at that time for an accounting firm. Oh, nice. I won't say the name because of what I'm about to say. And it used to be just up the road. Right. And I used to do all the stock takes okay. when I was a kid. I was six, 17. You know? right. I did the stock takes and uh, they, they used to have this massive boardroom on right. the top floor and there was a gallery bar with all the top shelf liquor. So when the partners had meetings, they would drink the top shelf whiskeys. What I used to do is on a Saturday, right. I would take my seven friends and we would sneak up in the elevator. I'd have the access key. Nice. We would lock ourselves in this gallery bar right. in this boardroom and drink all the top shelf liquor. Top quality in it. So it would save us money buying it at the club. True. And then I would get out of the gallery and then lock it up and go down. And we'd get to the club, we'd be drinking light sodas or some of us would drink more because we just had so much. Right. But Monday would come. And I'd do the stock take and top them all up for the next week. <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> but, no. But I, I remember taking girls up there um, to impress, as, as you, to impress them, you know. Right. I was 17 and I'm like, look where I'm working. And I used to take them up onto the rooftop. Uh, so they had a rooftop like a garden. Classic. And I'd take them up on the rooftop and we'd look over and I could see the club where we were. Right. And uh, then I'd take them to the boardroom, you know, have a drink. It was just, Such it was like, it was like nice. my own penthouse apartment. <laughs> um, but, you know, all the stories of, of growing up revolved around one club. And that time that uh, was represented by that music. Right. So it's dear to me that... Um, you know, people are still listening to hip hop, but I mean, Grandmaster Flash was early. This was a long time, but you know, we were there when Run DMC first started. Um, Run DMC, Redhead Kinpin, Eric B and Rackham, Public Enemy, uh, Wu Tang Clan. I recognise some of those. <laughs> Most of those, all of those. I'm kidding. You know, and after after that, you know, when when NWA came out, then uh, Dre was producing, then Snoop and yeah. Snoop Dogg, and but it was all the the dudes before that right. was just hitting it through, and like Heavy D and the boys. Heavy right. D is who Biggie Smalls looked up to. Nice. And we bought Heavy D's albums at the time. Rob Bass, the classic dance track of the 80s. Right. If you ask anyone, what was the 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 symbolic dance track of right. the late 80s? It was Rob Bass. And I'll play that a bit later. Dilla Soul. Right. Digital Underground. Digital Underground came up with this song called Humpty Dance. and But it was Digital Underground that gave Tupac Shakur his first ever recorded verse in a song. Huh. Because Tupac came along with them on tour and just uh, was one of the dancers. What? Yeah. He still says it was one of his favourite times growing up. Right. But they gave him, he was more political. His mother was part of the Black Panther group. So Tupac was always, uh, a pol he, he had a lot to say about inequality and, yep. you know. So he wasn't really fitted to Digital Underground. Digital Underground was about having fun. Yeah. But they gave Tupac a verse in one of their songs and that was it. 
And after that, they believed, you know, he had something. He went on his he went on his own journey. Right. And the song was called Same Song. Cypress Hill came out a bit later. When, when NWA first started, they say that they were responsible for that gangster rap genre. Mm. But before him was Ice-T. Ice-T oh, yeah. was uh, sung about the colours. In America, he had your Crips and Bloods and yep. the Blues against the Reds and the song was called Colours. Right. So there were different. It was weird how there was this East Coast, West Coast sort of beef uh, where hip-hop originated on the East Coast. Yep. Yeah. That's where it all started, you know. Yep. But it's funny. I was... I was giving a lecture yesterday and one of the students, his, uh, he's got a YouTube channel and what he does is he films these young hip-hop artists coming in. He mixes, you know, he, he, he's the beat maker and stuff nice. and he records that. And he was telling me that even in this small little city, there is this north of the river, south of the river beef. Am I right? Is that is that what's happening oh, now? Oh, you are speaking to the worst person right now. So with, with, with Perth, I mean... I wouldn't be surprised because like we spoke about before, uh, hip hop is like many things competitive. Um, I play a lot of sport and you've got to be competitive to be good at what you do. Um, this North South thing, I think so. Cause I hear a lot of people shout out their postcodes uh, in Perth. What in their, in their rhymes? Um, yeah, or in the intro, the outro. Really? Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, uh, well, I don't pay too much attention to it. Like I say, if I'm not listening to instrumentals and, and trying to create, then I'm listening to, you know, a wide array of music. And sometimes I may miss some of the local artists. And that's something I'm trying to change, not only in, in myself, but I mean, I want her to, 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 mm. to get his recognition. Mm. So uh, hopefully I'll know more about this later, but I wouldn't be surprised. The competition thing is quite healthy. It brings out, uh, brings out talent. Yeah. 100%. Um, I've, I've, I've become the rapper I am because people have outrapped me before. Happy to say, it, I don't feel like it's been too many times, but you know, sometimes you have to, you know, you go record and then you're like, I could have done better there because you hear someone else's verse. So you now just kind of go into it with, you know, with the best that you could potentially like do and then just take it from there. Kuda, what's been your journey in Perth within the music uh, industry? Oh, I started off um, with these mixtape sessions that I used to do where um, my brother got me into it and I met a lot of like long-term friends from that. Um, it was an opportunity for people like me who wanted to rap um, but didn't quite have too many outlets to do so to, to, to go and pay a, a pretty pretty low fee compared to a whole recording session. You get to pick from a collection of beats um, that this producer had um, I'd either selected or made, and then you just go in and record a verse. And um, it's actually interesting that off the two sessions I did, one of the times I did a verse, and one of my, my like one of my right hand men, Jay Wills, was on the the chorus, and he did his own verse. So you don't know what's gonna happen with the song. You just rock up, you do your part, and then you know you leave, and he kind of puts it together and sends it out to us. It turns out Wills and I were like the only two people. Um, I, I, there might have been someone else, but we we picked that. Everyone else was on one of the other beats. I think it was one of the popular beats at the time um, that they were trying to do covers to. And it just worked immediately. His chorus, his verse, my verse just worked perfectly. And we've been making music together ever since. So along the journey, I will show you, you know, a, a few different like songs from my, my timeline. But the first one, 
that really stood out to me. It's probably the most meaningful song I've ever written. It's called Going Some Places, and I was able to get a very talented artist uh, over East called Tender McFly and an old friend called Tendo to, to feature on that one as well. And along the journey, I realized I couldn't quite do it all myself because I couldn't afford it. I was a student trying to support myself, trying to support our family where I can or I could. That always meant that the expendable income wasn't readily available for music. Funny thing now is I only spend money on music, like other things I don't really do as much. So at that time, it was all about trying to minimize costs and trying to get myself as much exposure. And going someplace touched on young people just ready to, 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 to go for it and take on the challenge, go out there, seek out their dreams. And, you know, we're just a bunch of people. Uh, trying to trying to get to our next destination kind of works for the migrant aspect of it uh, works for the uh, dream chasing aspect of it and it it's still to this day probably the most meaningful song I've, I've ever recorded and I think you might have it there with your uh, picked yeah, up a little it. I might play a bit now and I think being a migrant it really does help mm. because you know you've got that fish out of water sort of uh, adapting new cultures you tend to uh-huh. are a bit more aware of your surroundings and and your journey exactly when somebody that's always living in it true so I think it sort of helps in that way so this is uh this is going some places yeah yes sir okay let me have a play of it I used to call myself ETC, which um, I chose because it meant evolve to conquer. I did end up changing to, to Kuda Mike because Kuda Kwashi Michael Lovu is my actual name. So it, it, it came from a time where I was really trying to find find myself, I guess, mm. uh, the cliche term. You can, you can hear it in the lyrics. Right. And yeah. to this day, um, aside from coaching under 18 soccer and things like that, like, I've always tried to empower young people because like we were talking about having good influences around you. A lot of people just, you know, take the wrong turns because they didn't have any. So anytime I get a chance to be that positive influence in um, in anyone's life, I, I, I take that to heart. So 
when I was writing that song, there was a lot of my my little cousin, you know, that inspired that. And I always try and tell young people, look, you, you can do virtually anything. Obviously, there are limitations in opportunities, whatever, but you can really just chase what you want to do. And you shouldn't really feel um, like, you know, you have to go one way or another because at the end of the day, you're going to have to live with, you know, your career or whatever. So if you don't really enjoy it, your life's going to be one long, long, boring uh, yeah. experience, you know. So I love I love uh, putting it out there that young people are capable. Mm, three things. One, it doesn't sound like you. Your pitch is so different. I know, right? Well, listening to you talk <laughs> now and listening to that, it, it, it reminds me, I don't I don't know if you've ever heard, you must have heard of Cypress Hill. Have you oh, heard yes. of Cypress Hill? Yeah. Well, he doesn't sound like that at all. Um, yeah. When you talk to him, it was his producer that turned around and said, you're sounding like everyone else in your rap. You need, can you do something? Right. And he put that voice on. Okay. And, he, and they, because they looked at, about they looked at things like uh, Public Enemy and Flavor Flav and um, it works. Like he's got this crazy voice and yeah. it just suddenly works with right. uh, the other Public Enemy uh, guys. So they used that as inspiration. And suddenly his voice went from pretty deep to, you know, insane in the membrane. <laughs> and it works, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, when you talk about inspiration and looking up to big brothers, thank God I didn't have a younger brother. I would not be the sort of guy you want to look up to. You reckon? <laughs> no, not growing up. No. <sighs> do, you, do you know what? Now as an adult, yeah. I can I can be introspective, a little bit more wise. Yeah. When I was young, I didn't give a fuck about <laughs> things like responsibility. Yeah. It was about the fast moment, fast cash, good times. Right. I, I wasn't I wasn't a bad kid. Mm. But I wasn't a responsible kid, even though I had responsible jobs and stuff. It's weird. It's weird. Like I always think, oh, God, thank God I didn't have a younger brother. I think you might then be the perfect older brother because there's nothing um, that any older brother I've seen. I, I know, you know, a couple of friends that are my age who have older brothers as well that, you know, uh, we, we relate to. Because after you get to a certain age, like, I mean, we're five years apart. So in the teens. You and your older brother. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. 18 and I'm, I'm I'm 13. He can't exactly hang out with me like we can now. Yeah. Now we're all, we're, we're both adults. It's, it's easy. So different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when we were kids, there was nothing particularly perfect about his, his life or anything. But it was more so the fact that he felt, uh, you know, the need to go, you know what? sort of do as I say, not as I do. He looked out for me and it was weird, man. My life has been unorthodox in a, in a lot of ways. I went to boarding. I went to, to boarding. I moved schools. I, ne I don't think I've ever been bullied. And that's that's good. It's, it's good. It is good. Um, but in that, that's one way of looking at it. It's really, obviously the takeaway is not that people should be bullied, but there was, you know, the, the little hazing periods of when you when you're new in boarding school, not that anyone would do excessively, but I got none of that because my older brother was there. And it kind of just made my experience different. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of made me who I am in the sense that I always speak up for the, for the you know, the, the bully victim or the, uh, the people who aren't included because I've been on the, on the outskirts of groups and I've been on the, uh, uh, on the side where I wasn't being bullied, but my friends were, and I'm like, oh, I got to stand up for them because that's ah, damn it, yeah, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not happening to me. I, I, I can't, you know, it's it's strange, but look, man, it, 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 big brothers don't have to be perfect. They just have to be aware that 
they they can influence us. And when they go put their arm around us and go, hey, man, look, I've made these mistakes. Avoid that at all costs. Means that I don't have to learn by going through it myself. And that's what I appreciate most because it'll be very, dare I say, irresponsible of me to look at that example that has been through something and then still make that same mistake. Mm. Um, yeah, I may make a mistake, but I'll be trying something different. Yeah. That's the benefit of it. Is he still uh, in music? He is making a comeback. I'm putting it on wax right now. He's making a comeback. That's because obviously I think the most talented in the family is my little brother. Uh, he makes his own beats, uh, then records himself, mixes himself. And the only part I can, can help with is getting my um, sound engineer involved to, to uh, you know, mix and master it to, to a higher standard. But by far the most talented. So it's a battle for um, for second place between me and my older brother. <laughs> and oh, oh, and really? I'm winning right now just by virtue of being <laughs> in it right now. So it's, it's it, I mean, the competition starts at home. Yeah. yeah. So, so how old's your younger brother? 23. Okay. And what's his name? 10. His full name, 10. No, no, it's 10. <laughs> that's, that's all he goes by, 10. We've got some very traditional Zimbabwean names. So I'm Kuda. My older brother's Tapiwa and my younger brother's Tatenda. Very standard. Like people are like, oh my goodness, that's exotic. That's nice. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's the Michael of uh, <laughs> of of of, of Sean the, name. So I'm John. literally exactly. Yeah. So I'm Kuda Michael Love. And I'm like, yeah. It's like literally just the most standard. My brother's slightly different, They're a little bit more unique. Tatenda. Tatenda. That's pretty cool. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it just goes but Kuda, Kuda, Kuda Mike is pretty cool too. True. I mean it's uh it may be common from where you're from. Yeah, true. But uh, you're not there anymore, you know. And you're yeah. making your name as uh, Kuda Mike now. Do you know what my dream is? For when you Google Kuda, for me to show up and not just be like every other Kuda on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever. Yeah. And not out of like pride or anything. It's just a, a good goal because it's such a common name. If you're the Kuda, then I can be Kuda. Oh, you should have called yourself the Cuda. <laughs> the one and only, the one that matters. And the reason I say that is because I know four Cudas here in Perth. Oh, so really? As much as it is a um, a unique name here, it's just so common that the, the fact that there is a Zimbabwean community here, everyone's like, oh, I know a Cuda. And I'm like, no, but it's not me though. They're like, are you the Cuda that? I'm like, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I was probably too busy making music. But yeah, it's... um. It's a family affair, this music thing. Now, well, that, that's another thing I want to talk about is having pride in your name. I think it's a really important thing, no matter mm. who you are. True. That for so long, uh, you get sort of this image by your own name mm. because of what it represents to other people from the experiences they have had with people with the same name. Yeah. You know, for Wayne... Was, yeah. was the guy that was always at the back of the class throwing stuff at people, was always the guy getting in trouble. Not me. I'm talking about <laughs> the, the, the symbol of the name, right? So I oh, never man. respected my name right. ever, ever. In fact, I'd, I'd only sign it W. Okay. W. I'd just sign it W dot. And it wasn't until I got older right. that, uh, again, it wasn't about anybody else. Right. Uh, the minute I took pride in my own name, like I've even called this podcast The Wayne Nicholson Show, yeah. I would have never have done that when I was younger. Right. And I think part of that is because I couldn't come up with another name. 
<laughs> right now, fair enough. <laughs> well, people were like Wayne, why didn't you call it this? I just didn't think of it at the time. You know, the Wayne Nicholson show was the, was the only thing. But um, I've come a long way since I was a teenager because right. I really didn't like my name. Oh. Uh, it, I had an Iranian friend that liked my name, hmm. and he said, "Oh, you know, I really like that name." And I was like, "Why?" I know, right? Why? And uh, and then I got pride in my name. I, I started to become proud of it. Nice. I owned it. Yeah. And I yeah. think ownership, no matter who you are, what you represent, right. the minute you take ownership in it, mm. you take ownership in Kuda, you take ownership in the way you look, you take ownership, be proud of it. True. Great things can happen from there. Very true. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say was... I love the whole Google idea. You know, right. it's an algorithm and, you know, you want to be heard. Yeah. But I'm one of those dudes that when I die, mm. I don't want to be remembered. <laughs> Do you not? <laughs> you know when people talk yeah. about, no, it's just me. I know. You I, know when I people talk that, about though. legacy? Yeah, oh, yeah. I want my legacy to live on. No, yeah. like uh, really I don't care once I'm gone. Of course, yeah. But I want to have a bit of an influence while I'm here. yeah. But do I care about people talking about me in mm. years? To, no, not really. That's a good point. When I was younger, I want statues of myself. You know? <laughs> Who doesn't want? I want yeah. a statue at yeah. the front of my. I want to. I want to. I want you know. I want to be like remembered like the greats. Yeah. And you just become a little bit more humble when uh, as you get older because you take pride in the things you are are doing. Yeah. It's not. Uh, I want to change the world. Yeah. It's. I love what I do first. Yep. If that has the influence in changing people, yep. if it changes one person, yeah, that's a I've, win. I've done a job. Exactly. So things sort of change in that way. And I suppose like with you, that song we just listened to, Going Some Places, represented you at that time. Exactly. So when you listen to that, the emotional recall and connection to that time mm. is still quite poignant. Yeah. With you now. You know, that's real. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's deep. Yeah. Do you find that when there's feelings involved, like there is always feelings? Yeah. It depends though. Like some of the rappers, for instance, when Tupac came in with Dre, yep. Tupac wrote his lyrics as he stepped in the booth. Right. So he would say, look, hold on. Yeah. I'm writing, you know, they had the beat for California, you know. Right. Classic. And he just went, hold it. And he wrote it in there. Yep. When Jay-Z recorded with Biggie Smalls, right. they recorded one song. It was all freestyle, the whole thing. Yep, yep. I find that nuts. I think, wow. True. But hearing your side, right? Um, see how I've just put your name in with Biggie Smalls, Tupac I and Dre. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> no. that. Well, you know, I what? do not belong there. But <laughs> Hey, you uh, never know, Kuda, one day. Man, those are some legends we're talking you know, about. Like, I know, they are. They're, they're, they are legends. But when feelings hit really hard with, uh, and I suppose when they were writing freestyle, it was the same for them. It's uh, what they felt at that time. But it makes such a difference to an art form when there's an emotion attached, an experience emotion attached to the words, to the song, to the photograph, to painting. Yeah. It, uh, that's what an artist should do. True. So when you look back on it now as a 25, 26-year-old, right. um, you know that journey of where you've come from. Spot on. You know? And I feel like it's still the message. I'm, I'm really happy to say the message has not um, deteriorated in any way. It still hits the same way it did for me back, back then. And hopefully if someone ever goes back to it, they can still kind of get that. 
Um, I think another reason I sounded like I did was because I was what, 16, 17 at the time. Um, it's been like nine years since I made that song. Oh, okay. And one thing I'm really happy with is I've, I've managed to stay true to, to being um, clever with the lines and all of that stuff, but the, the music still means something. Mm. And uh, when I write, I want, you know, not necessarily to, to have the music be remembered. Um, I'd love for that to happen. But I think, like you said, the important thing is to have an effect now. If I can open up dialogue with some of the songs I make and um, have people talking about things that they've never spoken about or understood before, like you said, that impact now means more than what will happen. But you've done your job. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think the best feeling, it's like when I had the streetwear label, things that really uh, hit my, my business partner and I was seeing someone wearing the shirt Yeah. that we had manufactured, we had designed, right. and we had, you know, we we had patterns made up for the shirts. Right. But seeing someone else wear it, it's it was a, it was a, it's a pride, it's isn't like it? sitting on a bus stop and right. hearing someone singing your song. Can you imagine what that, that would, would feel like? That would be crazy. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. You know, you got all the you got all the the awards and stuff, but just having some random ass guy yeah. singing the lyrics to your song that meant something to you, yeah, yeah, and now it's affecting them in a way. I think that would be fan. That would be that a great be. thing to experience. Yeah, man, I can't wait. So, so I'm looking when you you've got your next song called No Money No Love. Yes, yes, <laughs> that sounds like part of an artist journey. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And I mean, shout out to to people who support their partners through 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 certain things. So, I'll I'll say this. I don't always go through um what I write personally, but I often have first-hand experience. So, sure. there are times where I'll write a verse, for example, around no money no love, at a time where I, I was probably in a relationship but I could definitely see examples of, you know, the whole no money, no love aspect. And if you watch the video, I was willing to, to have a bit of fun. Um, I'm, the, I'm the character that you can have a bit of a laugh at in, in the song. But in the lyrics and in, if you're just listening to it, I still approach it in a way where I still tell the story of, of a person who's dealing with that. And wow. we, I, I absolutely loved it. Now, this was when I was with the group Respect the Talent, which included um, the, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, Jay Wills. We had uh, a member called Sian Beats and uh, DJ Dave Wave, who, who was um, the last to join in. The last two guys I mentioned, Sian and, and Dave Wave, the reason why it was probably two or three years until I really started kicking on solo is because they did such an amazing job of seeking out opportunities and doing all that i was bogged down by uni and and all of that stuff so while i was doing that they were you know chasing up opportunities networking and doing all that stuff and when they when they left for for visa related um they weren't able to renew you oh. know student visas graduate visas all that sort of thing two of them had to uh had to go back so dave's in botswana right now sian's in zambia but um the the music it's an unfinished project. There's so much that hasn't been heard from RTT. Mm. This is online. You guys can see this on YouTube. No money, no love. But well, I'll, I'll, I'll play. I'll play a bit of the song for the listeners. Yep. But I might put the video over the uh, be the, the YouTube track. We'll have a look. You know. Mr. Fat, reporting live 
arrived from Perth, Australia, to the world, to Africa, the motherland. This is the motherland sound brought to you by RTT. Respect the talent. This is a worldwide exclusive. No money, no love. Get your money right. My brothers, my sisters, it's all about the money. Are you ready? Dance track. It is. It's more the Afrobeat stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, now, yeah. I should probably uh, have uh, explained to the, to the listeners that that was the Afrobeats era uh, of, of my, my journey. And they're probably aspects we never think about when people go into the creative industry. We didn't have much money to, to spend on music. And that's why we actually got together. It cut recording costs in four. It cut, you know, costs associated with shooting uh, music videos in four. So that is a big part of why we came together because we wanted to be musicians, but we couldn't quite afford to do it all ourselves. And um, a big part of why... I was super keen to start a label because young artists don't always have opportunities to actually get the music out there. So when you have the passion for it and you are, um, you know, talented, gifted, um, you don't have a way to do it because you're trying to, to live. You're trying to live life. So we got together as a group and things that you never think about is sacrificing. Um, you sacrifice creativity, for example. I can only tell part of a story with half a verse like it's 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 hard when you're sharing a verse with someone else you have to be very conscious of yeah. all right i gotta work into how what you know what he's saying but all the stuff that's out now um all that's coming out is going to be you know the solo stuff i'm going to get to express myself in a full song i'm going to have two three verses to tell a story so i can go into much more detail um and i can control the direction of the entire project obviously while working with um my my manager and producer uh paolo aka pmbp shout out he's he's you know incredibly talented but at least i have more room to express myself you know mm. what i mean and that was something i i noticed in that i worked that verse into what we were saying but it it, it took some sort of like uh contorting for, for lack of a better term but yeah that was that was when we were doing afro beats and then the other song with rtt was don't blame it little bit different in the genre but we got a very talented artist by the name of Ezra James might have that listened to a little later on but um the group dynamic is something I, I definitely wanted to talk about because people may not think about that mm. you know what I mean so yeah it's an incredible part of the journey well really quickly for those because we're just playing clips or snippets of the song yeah. 
Where can people find these songs uh, that I'm playing if they want to go? Are they on SoundCloud or? So I've got um, the RTT songs, the Respect of Talent songs on YouTube. So we've got No Money, No Love and Don't Blame It. We've actually got videos done. Um, And the uh, Going Some Places is on SoundCloud. So Kuda Mike on SoundCloud. Well, I'll get those details. I'll put it in the description anyway. Love it. Okay. That was the second song, No Money, No Love. Right. You know, um, when I heard that song, this is what came through to me because I heard a little bit about there saying, look, I've met this person. I'm wanting to take her out and do these things, but, you know, I'm yeah, an artist. And exactly. We all go through that. Like yep. I think everybody goes through that. True that. I just think of somebody who has no money. They're, they've got no love and they're on a beach, on a beach party, and they're just drinking and going, Fuck everything. Yep. <laughs> and yep. this band is playing and they're just having the best time of their life. True. At the lowest point in their life. True. Because they're just sitting. I mean, that's the, the visuals I got. Yeah. Because it was a bit know. of an Afrobeat dance track. True. But, I, you know, you get to that stage where you just can't do any, you can't do anything about the situation. Yeah. I think every artist goes through that. Spot on. And Man. I think every, every antagonistic force to an artist is time. Yeah. Uh, you have to survive, um, you know, support you, you know, the partner, the spouse, the kids. Yep. Uh, you need to pay bills. Right. And the time that you've got left, yep. you've got to funnel into the art form that gives you that so much pleasure. Correct. You know? And it's always that sort of uh, tug of war between the two, you know. Yeah, it's, it's real. Um, I was just saying to, to, to Lisa the other day, there's limitations in, 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 in two things, time and money. And that's why um, I've been patient enough to know that it will come. Um, if I try and rush it, I could burn out. I could um, lose passion for it. All those things. I'm lucky to say in the 10 years I've been doing it, I love it just as much as I did in the past. Um, it's, it's sort of my realm. It's, it's where I feel most comfortable. It's really important that I just communicate openly, especially when you're looking at partner, family, um, work, and, and, and things like that. You try and give your all. Yeah, in every direction, but I, I I would be lying if I said I didn't see myself kind of losing what made me special at work because I'm so thinly stretched, or losing what made me special. Um, you know, there are times where you know writer's block is is is, is common. You know, you, you you write so often that you're like ah, not good enough, and you keep going over the same song over and over again. Um, sometimes you just can't add anything to it, but it's even harder when you're drained and things just don't feel balanced in life mm. and that, that a big part of that is your your partner deserves all the all the attention that that you know they they ask for because they they're supporting us and um, they deserve a big portion of the of the credit because they're there helping us get through some of the 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 you know the the things that can be kind of trimmed around the edges um just so we can get back into that creative space um, and then of course you try and support family and you got to go to work and you got to go get money to pay bills and, 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 and all of that, man, is, and, but it d- depends Ooh. on who your partner is. That's very true. <laughs> Cause can you imagine a partner, one of those, uh, um, partners that just wants attention all the time, but, but yeah. then you wouldn't be with them. I suppose yeah. they've got to complement your life, not complicate true. it. Exactly. Know? Exactly. So, um, but I know what you, I know what you're saying. You, you've got to balance that attention span. Yeah. And and that's a hard thing for an artist to do. True. 
Because to a lot of artists who have fallen in love with their art form, yeah, it's it is a relationship. Yeah, and in fact, sometimes it's actually to an artist, it's a lot more important than physical relationships. Yeah, because it's part of our DNA. True, it's our makeup. True. So to leave that and give the attention elsewhere, which is what we have to do yep. to survive in this world, it's a tough thing for any bloody artist to do. And I get it wrong half the time. Oh, we all do. <laughs> to be fair. Come on, I, man. We all you do. You know what I mean? But um, <laughs> that's where I just kind of just lay it out on the table and go, look, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm growing, I'm, I'm just getting a grasp of this whole idea. Yeah, but you, but you can only use that excuse for so long, could I? It's you know, working. I'm a young guy, you know, ah, struggling in yeah. the music business. And yeah. after a while you sit there going, well, I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> I'm still sort of struggling. <laughs> uh, you know what they say about men, you know, maturing slower. Yeah, that thing, that thing. Yeah, use that. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's, I wouldn't have it any other way is one way I'll yeah. put it. I don't think I would be as happy in music if I hadn't gone through all of this and Something I mentioned that it feels super uncomfortable in the moment, but it's just going to make, you know, dare I say victory that much sweeter or success that much sweeter because you have to go through the trenches. You have to go through the, um, the hard times mm. uh, and it'll just mean that much more. And that makes us qualified then to speak to the next generation and say, hey, look, if we can make it easier for you, we'd love to. But these are the things we were prepared to do to get to, to the goal. Um, and hopefully that experience in itself can just showcase to others that it's it's extremely possible to make something of yourself in whatever field you want as long as you dedicate yourself to it and find balance in life. And and there are many fields. Yeah, many, that, many, that, many that, fields. That, that can, uh, it doesn't have to be one. And I think that's, if I had a kid today, mm. there'd be two things I'd say or a few things. I'd say, you know, do what makes you smile. Yep. But life is going to beat the shit out of you. At any All chance day, it every gets, day, yeah. it's not going to be easy. Yeah. So why not find something that makes you smile? Sure. But you're going to get rejection after rejection. People are going to be idiots. You're going to be insulted. Yeah. Paint the real picture. Yeah. You know, I think today's kids are too protected True. over that. Yeah. It's harder for them when they leave school because yeah. life is not like that. Not at life, all. Life, no one cares about you. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what you realize. A out 100%. there. Nobody really cares about you. Everyone's out there for their for their own gain. Well, also to their families, and yeah. you know, yeah, they're gonna f they're gonna watch something and feel for that moment. But yeah. after that, they don't care. I know. Yeah. So um, life's hard. Yeah. So pick something you really enjoy doing. True. It's just gonna make those hard times a little easier. True that. You know, like trenches. Yeah. There was a saying that uh, this writer Oscar Wilde had. I think he said that, you know, we're all in the gutter, but some of us are staring up at the stars. <laughs> That's deep. That's deep. We, you got to get out of it, right? Oscar Wilde, yeah, yeah. But, yeah but, but we're all there. But yeah. some of us are looking yeah. at the at the at a bigger picture. Yeah. In that, um, you know, we can find beauty in wherever we are. True. But I think as artists, we have that luck. We have that opportunity because, you know, I could be homeless. Right. I could be hungry, but all I need for happiness is a pen and paper. Right. Yeah. And I can write a story. Yeah. I'm a storyteller. I'm doing this because I'm telling stories and I'm listening to stories. I know, right? How cool is that? Yeah. Well, that to me, that's what makes up Wayne. Uh, right. And I learned that as a kid. I, c I can take a photo, telling a story within that photo, that feeds the soul. Nice. So that's the stars. I'm in the gutter. Mm. It doesn't matter. True. But I can see the stars. Yeah. People can be on top of the mountain with all the wealth, but 
They're not looking at the stars. That's so true. They're not seeing anything, you know? That so, is an um, incredible takeaway. That is deep. Yeah, that's what I'd tell my kid. Life's hard. It'll yep. be a gutter for you. Yep. But there can be some stars in sight uh, if you pursue the things that sort of make you smile, you know? True. And even then, I I can say that now because I don't have kids. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to use that, by the way, when I have kids. Oh, I'll use them, totally. man. But don't, you know, don't, don't blame me if it all goes pear-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> Your, oh, your, your your other clip song that you've given me, Don't Blame It, what's that about? We got to, to work with a very talented artist, Ezri James, from, uh, it, it was based over East, but uh, he's originally from New Zealand. Um, interestingly enough, never been to New Zealand, but I've never met a person from New Zealand I didn't like. That's worth putting on there. I freaking love him. Yeah. Um, but he came over, man. He was really, really excited to work with us on this project. Shout out to, you know, Dave and, and Sian, who were the kind of people to seek out these opportunities. And when we when we got together, we, we wanted to make a song that, you know, you could play in the club. And tr in true hip-hop fashion, because you can never stray too far from that, we did a song where our pride sort of spoke to a person who maybe had lost their their, their girl to us. Uh, and we're saying, don't blame it on me that she she like she wants me. Um, <laughs> this sounds this sounds more like a hip hop song. Exactly. I know exactly, <laughs> and um, it's 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 true to form. Even in the video, it's very um, it kind of, it's just typical hip hop. And I had a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, yeah, because yeah. as much as I love meaningful, um, you know, this or that, like at the end of the day, music should 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 move you and sometimes just have fun. So mm. we got this very talented vocalist on the on the chorus. And uh, we shared verses equally, so we had half a verse each. So I go after Dave, and um, when you get to listen to this, if, if you go on YouTube or whatever, the types of lines we put in there are just, I think some of the more clever lines we've used. And I always like to have clever punchlines. Is that now. because of the collaboration? That, you know, that does play into it. And I think that was towards, you know, our you know, our prime as a group when we had started doing sessions together because we were four individual artists who would then end up being on the same beat. But then we started writing together. That was different. Yeah. You can tell the, the music changes because we really seamlessly work into each other's kind of ideas. So yeah, uh blame it. You're gonna hear my verse and the chorus. Go check it out on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If he be heading from a general line, why we going in? No ID check. Homie, put a leash on your check. It's about that time. She be sucking on my. One time for my niggas getting booty calls. Cause booty calls. Guess I can say that I'm a man of honor and I see she on some bullshit. That keep ramming on her. Okay, I'm usually the man of honor and if she about the wildlife, she get the anaconda. Okay, let me not big it up. Got the standards that the world can't keep picking up. And my cup pulled up right to the top where she sip it up. We go right to the death, how we live it up. I like that. I appreciate that. I like that. That was, that was a smooth. Lot of fun. It is right. Like some of the best work we've done, and um, it's unheard. I mean, that one, that one, that one's out. But there's like a lot of stuff I've got with RTT that hasn't been released yet. And um, I mean, God willing, we, we can we can find a way to get back to uh, at least releasing the music. 
Um, we're exploring uh, ways to do that, but that was a great time in my life. Like that was when I was at my creative peak. And I mean, I'm surpassing that now because I've got a lot more freedom. But um, man, I, I'll never forget those days. When you say those days, when do you mean? Uh, I was about three, three, maybe going on four years ago. Oh, okay. Um, that we last, you know, got together and made music, and it, one by one. So it was Sian, if I'm not mistaken, that left. That, that couldn't renew his visa first. And then it was the three of us and we tried to carry it on. Um, we still have three members. We did a few shows here and there. It just wasn't the same. Uh, and then Dave had to leave and Wills and I still work very closely together. In fact, he's um, he's someone that, you know, I want to, to keep beside me because I've learned so much from him. Once again, he's slightly older. You know, we have conversations like this where I'm open to learning new things. And he's actually, if you ever see me perform, whatever you think of it, uh, a lot of it I've gained from from all the confidence, the the showman. approach. He's sure. a he's a he's a showman. That's exactly what he's a showman. Yeah, um, incredibly talented, sings, raps. Uh, the man can dance. Uh, put that man on stage, and you will have a good time. So yeah. um, having him beside me for for the long haul is something that I've always wanted um, to, to 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 keep uh, as a as like a focal point, I suppose. But um, I mean. We got, we got, we're pushing out the label. We're trying to advance this whole solo career thing now. And if I can keep as many of uh, the people that I had with me, that's the goal. Um, they know my sound. So yeah. um, I've got my sound engineer on board. Anything I do with the label, I, I can work through him. His name is Farai, Urban Soul Studios. He's incredible. He's responsible for literally every song uh, you, you've heard so far. Uh, we recorded with him. And I just, I just told my, um, my manager, my label mates, I was like, guys, look, I've recorded with other talented sound engineers. He's not the only one. But with him, I know when I go to him, we have that symbiotic relationship. Um, and what I love most is I can go to him with an idea. And he'll be like, hey, try this. And I typically leave with someone, I'm like, damn, man, yeah. like, what? He's, he's that incredible. He's that talented. So He understands you. Yeah, yeah. And that's important understands your message. Mm. That's why creatives will tend to work with the same people. True. Once they, you know, they start working together. Exactly. You'll find oh, it's so easy to go back to that person. There's more talented technical yeah. people. Yeah, true. But he's the guy that understands what I'm trying to do. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, I can't remember Kendrick uh, Lamar's producer's name. I really should probably look that up. But I remember he was... One of the people, I think he worked together and they came up with that whole um, sound that he does when he has the high-pitched vocal in the back or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of thing I get from Farai. Like we've created, you know, more of a sound together and we hope to continue to evolve. And I think music, we should always be open to it evolving, mm -hmm. which is why I've never had a problem with, you know, trap emerging. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a form of hip hop. And I hope that... Um, I know the audience sometimes thinks that, hey, I listened to you when you started out. You've changed so much. I will change. And I'm going to yeah. tell you right now, I will change and evolve because not only does music evolve, I want to lead that evolution. I don't want to just wait until someone else comes out with a new sound and then we're like, oh, that's the new hot stuff right now. Let's do that. I want to be able to express myself and hopefully I, it doesn't even need to be a new sound. I don't care if it becomes a new sound and, oh, you know, you... You, you gave birth to a, a whole new sound or whatever. But what's important is that I have people who understand that when I make music, I'm making music for, for, for not only for me, but, you know, for people who at least understand that this is a feel-good song, this is a, a powerful message yeah. song, and, you know, mm -hmm. you can look at it that way.
Um, What's the label called? 18K. Oh, and you know what? I'm going to take a moment. Say it again. Again. 18K. Oh, 18K. That's it. That's it. Um, So your goal is to make 18K a year? Uh, hopefully more, uh, <laughs> or I just have everything in my house, 18 karat gold, but, um, yeah, <laughs> you'll notice yeah. it's, um, and shout out to the, to, to, to the team that we've got Paolo, who I mentioned earlier, PMBP, uh, Peruvian mafia beats production. He's someone I've, you know, worked with. We, we met in hospitality. We just, you know, opened up dialogue and he's like, I make beats and I'm like, I, I make music. And then he's just gone from strength to strength he's got three artists in in peru that he's brought into into the label and i love the music that those boys are putting out uh we've just released a um a video for feelings by uh smoky young and we've got a um a new song and i've heard this i'm privy to 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 some of this information because i'm actually a partner in it all which is a great feeling yeah it's a great feeling but um like I've said, like I said to you in the last break, I have no rap beefs yet. And look, someone's gonna listen to this and go find that Kuda Mike guy. We're gonna do a rap beef, whatever. Like, who the hell is the this culture. guy? It's a part of the culture, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. So I, I, I know it's coming, but yeah. I really, especially being on this, yeah, you know, and not knowing <laughs> and not having watched uh, Straight Outta Compton, yeah, I, I'm, I'm expecting some heat. I'm expecting some heat. But um, the reality of the situation is, I love music so much. The same way that I love football, I'm a <laughs> You want to catch some heat? Manchester United fan. I'm a Manchester United fan, but I appreciate football to the point that, you know, we were we were outclassed by Barcelona one year. And the purest in me went, that was incredible football. So the same thing happens with music. I'm genuinely a fan of the people I work with. Uh, Peruvian Mafia, yeah. Beast, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Farai's work. I'm a fan of Young Dapper's work. I'm a fan of Jay Wall's work. So the guys in Peru, man, the cool thing is it's set up so that we've got a whole team over there. Um, and the work ethic, the, you know, the, the quality of the sound, man, the drive, those boys are incredible. Shout out Smokey Young, Nezio, Renzo Mata, and Young Six, who are putting out incredible stuff. So keep an eye out. Renzo Mata's song's coming out. I heard it, and honestly, it's the new sound, I will say. It is the new sound, so uh, you're going to love it, Wayne. You're going to love it. But... Um, <laughs> The listeners, please do check it out. Um, I'm lucky enough to be going back into the studio. I'm actually going to be in the studio uh, later on, which is which is a fun feeling. So hopefully I can just maintain the hard work that everyone's been putting in. And um, yeah, 18K, keep an eye out for that. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure, mate, having you on. Um, I've you. learned a lot. Thank you. I've learned a lot about where your music comes from, yep. what you're looking up to today, what to expect. Right. But I thought what might be good is we'll we'll end the podcast with actually one of your songs. The song. Uh, uh, what, tell us about this song. This is the song that that uh, connected us, Wayne. Uh, this song takes us back. Oh, is this the one that this I heard two something years ago? Yeah, exactly. Ah, so okay. this is the one that Lisa was going to use in the ad. Is this one of her favorites? It is. And do you know what? Ever since I made this song, even my brother was like, how is that not like out there yet? And you look, I mean, I've learned so much during my journey. Overthinking is is, is something that, that, you know, bogs me down because mm. it means so much to me that I'm like, it has to be done right. It has to be done right. And that's something I've had to grow out of. Um, oh, yeah. But with this song, it's one of those hip hop songs where I am uh, putting it out there that like, we, you know, we're here. We make music. We're here to stay. If you got something to say about it. 
come, let's have dialogue. Uh, we're not yeah, gonna yeah. we're not gonna beef. We're yeah. not gonna, well, you bring the beef. That's yeah. cool. But <laughs> it's it's um it was a fun little song to make with a very talented uh, producer and artist by the name of Iconic. Uh, once again, I was just kind of going from, I feel like a bit of a floozy. I was just going from like collaboration to collaboration just to find like a team that I could build. Yeah, you have to. You have to I though when you're starting. That's through. true. You got to know who's out there and who works with you and stuff like that, you know. True. So confusion came out of it. and um, So this song's called Confusion? It is called Confusion. Kudu, it's been a pleasure. Thank and you so uh, much for hopefully me. we'll have you on again sometime. Oh, you know what? You've got to come my side one time. And if, 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 you're, uh, if your house is full of 18 karat gold, it means you've made it. I'm hoping then when I call you to come on a podcast, you're like, well, Wayne who? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the man who made me. No, um, Ronnie. Right. <laughs> right, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You too, buddy. You too. Let's have a listen.
confused.